Amen. I'm on my way. Look at somebody tell them, I'm on my way for a better life. You know what? God's got better for you. God's got better for you. And no matter what your current condition, your final outcome, it's going to be better. Said no matter what your current condition, your final outcome is going to be better. That's where God's leading us. He's leading us into stronger lives. He's, he, he, he's a God of increase. He's a God that wants to prosper you, not harm you, give you hope, give you future. And today, as, as we launch our new series, it's the uh, uh, Elephant in the Family Room. And as we launch this new series, I thought, you know what would be fun and, and is if I got my family, I don't know how these guys got such a great place in my heart, but uh, uh, everybody up here on the platform, you know, is part of my family. Of course, so are you. We just didn't have room for y'all. But we thought if we go at it this way, in a way we do. Because all we want to do is every family has got some stuff, okay? Every family. Look at your neighbor and just say, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of you guys are, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Be kind. But every family's got some stuff. But I thought, you know, man, if we could just have a family meeting and, and, and just address some of these things. See, uh, and, and one of the things that we got to, that you just got to, you just got to understand this as we get rolling, Genesis 1, 28, and, and they'll put it on the screen, but it, you know, God has a plan, and in that plan, God, God looked at mankind and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? It's not good uh, for you to be all in one. And, and what's interesting about this is that when God said this, there wasn't nobody else around. They were just, you know, they're just Adam. And, and he said, and, and God said, you know, for six days, man, everything's good, right? We got light, and light's good, and, and, you know, we got grass, and, whoa, look at that stuff. This is awesome. And, and, and you know, and he, he's, he's, I mean, he's pulling kale up out of the dirt and thinking, that's good. Fish and wildlife, and everything's good, but he gets to man, and he says, it's not good. Well, nobody's there to point it out. I mean, who's he got to impress? But he said, it's not good for man, that's you, to be all in one. It's not good for you. See, and one of the things that you have to understand is that everything God's ever done and everything God ever will do is based on what's good for you, what's good for us. That God's intention is for our good. He, that he's not trying to harm, he's trying to help. That, that, and a lot of times, you know, in situations, we'll, we'll have these thoughts, you know, well, how could a loving God let this happen? I'm telling you that God's intention is that by the end, that it'll always be good. We know that all things work together for our good, you, you know, and, and it's, God's, it's God's desire and his plan uh, for, to do you good. God wants to do you good. In Ecclesiastes, it, it says this, chapter 4, verse 9, uh, it says, two are better off than one. Somebody say amen. amen. Two are better off than one. Why? Because they help. They help each other succeed. And I just want to throw this out there uh, uh, that, you know, how do I know if, if a relationship is good, if it's godly, well, does it help? You know, how, how do I know how to minister to somebody else? Well, you, you think about their good. You help others win. See, two are better. As a matter of fact, look at verse 10, and it says that in verse 10, if one falls, the other can reach out and help. But if you're ever all in one, you're in real trouble. 
You know, sometimes, you know, I like Proverbs 18.1 where it says, he who willfully isolates himself from God or man is void of sound judgment and seeking his own desire. That, that we need each other. And so, you know, when you're thinking of the family, it's not just who lives in the house, but really uh, it's the family. Okay, in Psalms, it's interesting because God says uh, that he takes the, 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 those who are alone and he places them in families. And it's cool to me because it doesn't say he puts them in a church. He puts them in a family. Puts them in a family. And God's been dealing with me for several months as we've been praying about this series and getting ready, and God's been dealing with me for several months that sometimes, you, you know, uh, we'll get the tendency of, man, we've got to do everything we can to build a church, build a church, build a church, build a church. And, and then we realize that, well, actually, Jesus said, I will build my church. And that's his job. Our job is to build the family. Our job is to help each other win. Our job is to help each other succeed. Our job is to make each other's life better. And, and, and so, you know, all of us are in the room. We're in one place today. We're, we, we've gathered together in one place. But the fact is, is that we're coming from, uh, you know, a multitude of other places. Even though you're in the room, you're in this place, but you're coming from a different place. And everybody's in a particular place right now. So I thought we'd start off, and, and, and we're just going to uh, start on your end and work this way, and I'm just going to sit down. We're just, we're just going to talk about it. But I just I encourage them to think of an adjective or two that describes the place you're currently at. So Stephen, kicks us off. For me, it would be faith building. Exciting and testing. Fun and growth. Trust and adventure. Fulfilled. <laughs> Successful. Semi-fulfilled. Slightly irritated. <laughs> Determined. Excited. Excited. These are all fairly positive places, for the most part. <laughs> Fairly, you know, it's a positive place. It's, it's a good place. You know, I feel like we, I feel like we are in a good place. And, and the, you know, the future, the opportunities are, are, are amazing. But it hasn't, you know, not every day uh, is, is an exciting place. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, you, you can be in a great place, but you're still dealing with real stuff. You, you know, um, so let's, 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 change it up for a second, and let's talk about uh, some of the more difficult places that we've been, some of the hard places. TJ? Yeah, um, one of the hardest places for me in my life was, um, you know, growing up sixth grade, up on in, into high school. Um, Evan moved out, was having an argument with, with, with dad um, one night, and that doesn't ever work well for anybody, so Evan ended up leaving the house, and uh, I remember being you know, 12, 13 years old, you know, stole my mom's phone, called Evan and said, hey, man, please, please come back, please come back, I, you know, I'll do anything you want, thinking it was my fault, you know, I'll give you quarters back or, you know, whatever, 13-year-olds take from their older brother, but probably G.I. Joe's or Barbies or something, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, Man, as, as, as far back as I think I had the ability to make the conscious decision to run from God, um, I did. And 
Um, in between my fifth and sixth grade year, I got high for the first time, and at the end of my sixth grade year, I started selling drugs and um, just kind of worked its way up into high school until I, you know, I really got saved. But the hardest thing for me was not understanding or not believing that there was a God because there's no way that he could have placed me in this family. You know, and I remember um, Stephen would always, you know, when he went off to Bible college, call me as my best friend, you know, and he'd call me and be like, man, I just want to tell you all about what God's doing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, dude, this, this whole God thing, like, that's you and dad. And that's cool and I support you, but I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing. And, uh, you know, just, just running from God and not believing that, you know, just thinking there's no way God's real if you put me in a family of Bible-thumping weirdos. And, you know, I'm out here trying to be real with people and then to, to come and, you know, come and realize that the, the script was flipped. So. Um, for me, we have a four-month-old daughter. Dang it, I totally thought this would get easier saying this, but it doesn't. Um, And it just sucks like talking about it because I feel so ashamed that I felt this way and that like I wasn't a good mom and um, I had an emergency C-section when we had her. It wasn't anything that we planned for and it, it, was, it was rough, it was hard and like just when she was born I was already insanely tired and just uh, we had everyone in the room like after she was born and so people were holding her and so I only got her when she needed to be fed I didn't get like the cuddles and like the awesome time and um, going home like I was obviously still in pain after having a c-section but I wanted to be strong and be like nope I'm fine I can get up on my own I don't need anyone to help me when I actually needed a lot more help than what I was getting but I didn't want to have to ask for that I felt like I was I didn't like that I, it was me accepting that I was defeated if I needed more help than what I already was getting because I was already getting so much help and I just let thoughts build on top of thoughts on top of thoughts for three months and I didn't want to speak it over my life like that I had like depression or anything like that because I didn't want it to be real And then it got real because I started getting severe suicidal thoughts. And there was one day going home, I was like, this is the last day. I'm done. I can't do anymore. TJ can find a new wife, someone who can do everything that he deserves. And, and he can get a new mom that can do everything that she needs and help her in any way, shape, or form that I can't do. And that night, um, it was a Monday, the weekend before Tom was talking about pretty much what he was just talking about right there, saying that any thoughts in your head, like you're, control, you're in control of the thoughts of your head. So then I got super ashamed because I was like, I've been the one keeping these thoughts in my head. I've been the one that's just been allowing them to stay there and why. And then that's when I was just like, I don't want to admit to any of this. And that night when I went home, I like made it all the way home and I told TJ everything and he was helpful and wanted obviously to make the all this go away and it took time but it's been almost a month that I haven't had a thought like that at all
We'll, we'll hold ours. Okay. Um, so a difficult time for me um, was a couple months ago, um, but to kind of give you like a backstory to make it make sense. Um, when I was uh, two, I got a dad. And um, from two on, I would have never known any different that he was my dad growing up because he, he loved me like a daughter, he treated me like a daughter, and he would lay down his life for, for us. And so um, when I got older to understand, I knew, I found out that I had a, a biological dad and I knew where he lived. And um, my mom just said, you know, you can meet him and reach out to him whenever, whenever you feel ready. And um, so two years ago, Christmas, um, Evan and I talked about it, and he's like, hey, just, just reach out and see what happens. And so I re reached out via Facebook, and it went well. And we would talk back and forth, and we would go a couple days, um, and things were going really good. And so I've been praying to God, like, okay, I think it's time that I reach out even further and be like, hey, let's meet. And so when we went to Spokane for... Um, Stephen and Bree's wedding, I reached out because like, this is the perfect opportunity. Like, Evan's with me, and it'll be good. And so I reached out, and I was like, hey, would you and your wife like to have breakfast with, I, with us? And um, part of me was like, I knew it might be rejected. Part of me was like, yeah, maybe he'll say yes, because he, like, wanted, he had mentioned prior that he would like to get to know uh, me better. And so I sent the message, and I was super nervous. I was driving with Paige, and I just, like, sent the message, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> And um, it came back a couple minutes later, and it said no. And like, part of me, I was so I was really upset. I was like, "Why would you, why would you say no?" And he's, and uh, his response was, "It's too traumatic for myself and my family." And I thought to myself, "Well, how was that so traumatic that you would want to reach out to the person that?" you created, you helped create, and you don't want any part of her life. And it hurts so bad to hear someone say that because he, he brought life into this situation and he just shut the door so fast without even giving it a second thought because his daughter rules the, <laughs> rules the nest at that house. And so it took a couple days and like Pastor Tom says, you know, you need to meditate when things get rough. You need to meditate on a word, and you can't let that. You can't let yourself um, be defeated by a person. And so I just reached for God's word in Romans eight thirty one. It says, "Whoever goes before, or whoever goes against you, God will go before you." And um, rejected is never in God's vocabulary for His daughter. And so I just meditated on that word for a couple of days, well, a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, things are good, but it was a. Uh, Well, for me, it was when I decided I didn't need family. It was when I decided I didn't need God and that I could get the same results that my dad had gotten on my own. Uh, and in results, I meant a happy family, uh, blessed, favored, um, joyful. I... I thought I could do it by myself. Um, and so I, I ran from God. I ran from my family. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I needed my brothers, but I helped one of them 
sell drugs. Um, I lived in a rundown motel with, I mean, there wasn't a clean spot in the place. And we had puppies that pooped and peed on everything. They didn't have to go outside. Um, and I found myself realizing that that wasn't what God intended for life. Um, and it wasn't shortly after that that God brought people back into my life that helped me understand that. Um, I think one of the hardest times in my life was when my parents went through a divorce. Um, just a little backstory. So I have three sisters. I have an oldest sister and then I have two younger sisters. So at the time when my parents got divorced, I was a freshman in high school. My sister, my oldest one, was a junior. And then I had a sixth grade and a seventh grade sister. Um, and so you can imagine when something happens like that, um, when you're 17 years old, my oldest sister, the only thing she knew how to do is just to, to run away. Um, she didn't want to deal with it. And, and everyone deals with things differently. And so she didn't want to deal with it. So she kind of just started hanging out with friends and was never around us a lot. Um, and so I felt the need that I had to take on and to be with my little sisters. And no matter how many times, you know, mom would sit us down and say, hey, it's, it has nothing to do with you guys. We love you. We all know that as kids at that capacity, you just, you think that it's something that you caused that maybe, you know, that maybe we did something wrong and now they don't love each other anymore. Or, you know, because in a lot of ways we had a, we had a perfect family. It was a lot of fun and there was amazing times, but then, then this happened and, and it was really hard. And the hardest part was as kids, you know, we'd sit around and we'd talk, okay, well, how, how, can, how can we fix it? We, we don't understand this, we don't know what's going on. How can we help, how can we help? And there was absolutely nothing we could do. And we didn't, you know, so you just sit there and the enemy just tells you all of these things, like it was your fault, they don't love each other because of you. Just all these things start coming over you. But it's amazing that in God's word, it says that we need to lean on his understanding, right? Because we, we don't know why a lot of things happen, but he works it all for good. And so that was just one of the hard times in my life. For me, it was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was on the baseball team, and there was a, he was a guy who was very well known around uh, our school. And uh, he would take upperclassmen athletes, and they would go to Seattle, and he would pay for uh, round trips to go to Seattle, watch back-to-back -back Manners games, and eat all the food, and have a great time, and um, I remember when I got invited, me and one of my great friends, and I was so excited because never does an underclassman get invited to these trips, and oh man, I was pumped, and I remember coming home and begging, please, please, please let me go, and uh, you know, at first they said no, but man, I vexed them, please let me go, and Finally, they said yes, and it was an amazing time. I had so much fun. We, we went to the manners games. I didn't have to pay for a single thing, all the food I could eat, uh, no supervision. At nighttime, we got to go out, and one of my best sermon stories happened on that trip, and it, and it, it was an amazing time. And uh, We came back, had a great time, and it was a couple weeks later that 
um, some law enforcement showed up at our front door during dinner time and sat us down and let us know that uh, the man who was taking these uh, high school boys on these trips was just arrested and uh, had admitted to sexually molesting these young boys in their sleeps when he would take them on these trips. And he admitted that I was one of the young men that he did that to. And, you know, in the moment, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a crazy hard time. You know, I was, I'm very thankful that my dad sat me down and gave me an option. He said, hey, we can hold on to this and we can be hurt or we can choose to forgive. Uh, and I told him, hey, I want to I forgive. I want to forgive this guy. And, uh, but it was later on, you know, going through school, and nobody knew who it was. You know, nobody knew the, the young men that this happened to, but people would make jokes around the high school and the locker room about these boys and about that guy. And, and the hard part was, in my mind, the thoughts that would come in and realizing that, hey, I don't have to be who they say I am, and I don't have to uh, live up to the things that they're saying about me, and, and this situation doesn't define who I am or where I'm gonna be going. And so the hard part was, was afterwards, more than that moment, was dealing with the thoughts that would come with what happened. So for me, you know, as each one of our kids went through these times, yeah, it's hard going through those with them, thinking, what could I have done to prevent all that? How, what did, you know, what didn't I do to protect them? So just those thoughts of, you know, I could be more, but then, um, as I got to thinking about it more last night, you know, that's more in the past, but what do I deal with on a daily basis? And I think it's more of um, keeping my heart right, um, because you, we build these relationships, these family relationships. We go through deaths with people. We go through babies being born. We go through weddings. We go through funerals, you know. We go through marriage counseling and stuff like that, and then for some reason, they walk out of your life. And so it's, you know, and it's choosing to forgive and go on and love people like it doesn't matter. And yet, you know it does because you build relationships with these people and then, you know, then they're not there. And knowing that it's going to happen again, that tomorrow it could happen, the next day it could happen, and I have to keep my heart right. That's good. I feel like I have to be semi-careful to talk about the hard things that we deal with because at any given moment, we could offend someone. We could hurt somebody's feelings. We could, we could say the wrong thing. And, you know, and as Shelby's talking about, uh, you know, dealing with the kids, the, the, the thoughts that come, I think most parents can relate that when, you're, when your child has a struggle, uh, the first thought that comes for a parent is, wow, I, I didn't do a very good job. And suddenly, their struggle becomes against you. And now it's not even about what they're dealing with, but now it's a personal issue that you have to find a way to grapple with it and get through it and uh, not think that, hey, I'm a, I'm a bad dad. Um, you know, what right do I have to be in the position that I'm in? And then, and then multiply that because th this, th this is my family, but yet this is my family. And so I watch different people struggle with things and, and the, the thoughts that come, uh, you're not a good pastor, you're not a good leader, you're not a good teacher, you're not a good, and so you have to deal with that stuff. So I'm thinking, you know, as, uh, as we go into this series, the, the couple of points that we want to make sure that we make, and number one is uh, 
that you never assume that we're under the impression that we have a perfect family because uh, we have a real family that deal with real issues, but we're, no, we're not separated from you. We understand what it is that you're dealing with, and, 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 you know, and I want, uh, especially these on this platform, I want them to win. I want them to succeed, and so uh, what I'm going to share with you in the next six minutes and 48 seconds is uh, what I would share with them to empower them to win, and what I want to share with you that will empower you to win regardless of the place that you're at in life right now and in your family and how to help each other succeed. You know, Genesis 1, 26, uh, and we know this, that God made us in his image and in his likeness. And, and, and before God brought, you know, we, we, we read earlier that God said it's not good for man to be alone, but before man, but before man received a partner, uh, he was given some other things. And we have to make sure that we get these things first before we start looking to the people around us. And because and, if we don't understand where we get uh, these first five things, then we'll look to people to be the producer, the provider of those things. And, and then that just always opens the door for, uh, for trouble. Uh, you know, because um, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. The word place is a position of effectual opportunity. And uh, the, the, first thing, the first thing I want you to look at is, is it, that God, God made man in his image. We find our identity in God. Okay, so the first thing that he gives you is, is an identity, and your, your identity is in him. And, uh, you, you know, and, and I've encouraged our, our own kids that, you know, that they need to understand that uh, Evan's not going to make Courtney whole. You know, and... and Stephen's not going to make Brianna whole, and TJ's not going to make Paige whole, and I'm not going to make Shelby whole. We, you got to go to God to get whole, and he, he's the one that you, that you find out who you are, and, and, and you look to God and let him, you know, because I, 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 we don't just say it because it's, it's a great way to start the service. No, I am who he says I am. And my identity, because if you're not careful, people will begin to tell you, you know, Stephen touched on it, people will begin to tell you who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then it's easy to get talked into being who you're not. And, and your identity is in God. And then in Genesis uh, 2.15, it says, and the Lord God placed the man in the garden. And, and, and if I had a lot more time, I'd have a lot more fun with this because, I, you know, God placed you in the garden. Is that not cool? I mean, come on, God. Uh, but but first, you, you know, the, the the first thing to remember though is because a lot of people, you know, we hear all the time how we're trying to get to a to a better place. We're trying to get to the right place. We're moving across the country to get to a new place. We're 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 going to. Well, see, God places you, so you have to understand that He gives you your identity, but He also gives you a place. And, and you, you, you don't decide the place. You don't determine the place you are. You embrace the place where you are. Because, you know, TJ struggled because how could, I, how, could, how could there be a God that's real and he placed me in this family? And a lot of you guys, you know, you look at your family and you think, good Lord, they're nuts. How did I get, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you got to pick your family? You don't. You get placed there. 
And, 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 but why? Because there's something in this family that's going to equip you for the future that God has for you. There's something in the place you're at, you, the place you work. You need to embrace it and stop fighting it and stop speaking against it and recognize that, man, God has placed me here, and, and, and I need to embrace the place. Look at somebody and tell them, embrace your place. Because uh, uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the same verse. It said God placed him, and then he, t- he gave him what to do. You know, tend and watch over it. He gave him his purpose. See, and if, if you will embrace the place you are, God can reveal the purpose for why you're there. But if, if, if you are not careful, if you, if, if, you, if you immediately go to others, you begin to look to your spouse or your kids or, or, or your coworkers or your friends to find my, my purpose. That my, people are going to determine, no, you have your purpose before you have your partner. You have your purpose, why? Because God put you in a place and he's given you your, your identity and he's given you a place, you embrace the place and he reveals your purpose. And in uh, Two, verse 8 and 9, check this out, look at it. It says in verse 8 that God planted a garden in the east, and that's where he placed the man he had made. And, and in verse 9 it says, and God made everything grow. See, this is what I believe, and this is what I want my kids to know, and this is what I want my family members to know, is that my identity comes from God. God places me. I embrace the place. When I embrace the place, he reveals the purpose. And when, when, when he has revealed purpose, he will release provision. God makes things grow. And, and, and the provision, sometimes, you know, we're going after provision, and so we're shifting places and, and, and rearranging and adjusting purpose in an attempt to, to find provision. No, I believe that if you find your identity in him and embrace the place you are and allow him to reveal your purpose, that he will release the purpose or the provision in your life. That God's the provider. God's the provider. Uh, uh, I think the people who've known me a long time, know me well, would all sh- testify, share this about, uh, about how we look at provision in the church. One of the things that, that I n- I've just never worried about, uh, we just do not worry about the money stuff. Because I don't believe the money comes from you. I believe it comes through you. But it's God who gives provision. See, if you, if you get these things out of order, it's really easy to end up in trouble because you suddenly have separated from God and you are all in one. And if you're alone, you're bound for trouble. We read that just a few minutes ago. But there's one other thing that God gives before he gives the partner, and I think it's probably one of the most important things, Genesis 2, 16. The Lord God warned him, and he said, you can freely eat of every tree in the garden, except, everybody say except. except. Oh, say, say except with some gusto. Except. See, except, so, so, so here's, here's the deal, is we find our identity in God. God uh, places us, we embrace the place, he reveals his purpose, he releases provision, but he also sets parameters. And uh, and he, he sets boundaries. And uh, the carnal mind, the, the mind that doesn't understand God, thinks that God's trying to keep things away from us that, that, that would be for our good. No, God, God's always, in, his intention is always for your good. So the parameters and the boundaries aren't to keep 
you from what's good for you, but it's to actually separate you from what's not good. And uh, I think, you know, that as we, as we look at the elephants in the family room, if, if we could just learn, and, you know, it, it, I really want every one of my kids my, and my wife, I really want them to know this. God knows who you are. You, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the word know. It is to recognize, to acknowledge, to admit, to confess. And, and, and knowing God, man, knowing God is awesome, isn't it? But you want to know what's crazy? Is God knows you. And he recognizes you and he acknowledges you and, and, and he admits, he gives you entrance to the place that, that, you've, that you've been designed to be. And, and he's confessing a future over you. And uh, you're known by God. You are known by God. And God has an exceptional life for you. I said, God has an exceptional life. That's a life with exceptions. See, and if you're not careful, people will tell you who you are. They'll tell you where you belong. They'll tell you what you can do. They'll tell you where to go, how to act. You'll find yourself trying to be somebody other than who God's created you to be. See, that's living beyond the exceptions. It's thinking that a situation is going to define you. It's thinking in a moment when you're not sure about God that you should redefine who you are. Because a lot of you have been in places like where TJ's been or where Paige was at, where, uh, you, you know what, you're, you're living on the other side of the exceptions. You, you'll have people that'll, that'll, that'll shift your situation or, or the situation will shift your thinking and all of a sudden you, you'll think that you're rejected. No, no you're not. You are, you're accepted. You're among the beloved. You are adopted by God himself. You are his favored child. Hello, somebody. See, if you allow the situation to have too much of a voice in your life, you'll look at a circumstance and you'll let it begin to tell you, you know, that uh, the, the problems in other people's life are your fault. Hello? Yeah, and, and that, you know, mom and dad didn't make it and it's probably because of you and you'll begin to carry the weight of that and that'll put shame on your life. But see, that, that, see that, to be exceptional means to be elevated above uh, set inside a boundary where those things can't reach you. This is what God's trying to do is guard you and protect you. You can't let the circumstances of life tell you who you are. You can't let the circumstances of life dictate the place that you're going to be in because the word place is a position of effectual opportunity. God has you in the perfect place right now. I'm telling you that there's a purpose for the place you are, and if you allow God to release and reveal the purpose, he can release the provision. And once you have the provision, you can make a difference in that place. That you can't, you can't let the struggles that you're in be the defining marks of who you are. You're, you're facing hard stuff. You're facing life stuff. Everybody's got family. Everybody's got elephants in the family room. We're all dealing with things that we wish we weren't dealing with, things that we wish were different. Or, Man, I wish I would have said that, or I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I would have done this, or I wish I hadn't have done that. But here's the deal, is that God declared the end at the beginning, and in the middle, he has the ability to bring restoration, healing, 
deliverance. More than anything, hope. We put our hope in Him. We put our hope in Him. Don't let a hardship, don't let a hard moment, don't let a difficult situation dissolve your hope. He's for your good. I just want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes, bow your head. Father, today, we lift up every family represented in this room. And God, we just speak over the families that you placed in the garden. God, you placed us in the garden that we would help each other succeed. God, that we would be a strength to one another. God, help us to see the opportunities that we can lift each other up. When one falls, his, his friend can help him up. God, let us be people who help each other up, who help each other win, who help each other succeed. And for those who are, who, who are in a valley right now, God, those who are in a, in a hardship right now, God, we just release a peace that's greater than their ability to understand. God, that you are the one who gives strength for all things and you make us equal to anything that comes our way through Christ who's infusing us with that inner strength. Strengthen the families, God. God, let us be the people that the world can look at and see the hand of God at work. Let them see hope in us. Let hope arise. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're all going to pray one more prayer. And maybe you're in a situation where you've, you've never really actually walked with God. You haven't done life God's way. Or maybe, maybe, maybe at one point you tried, but something happened and, and you went your own way. Well, today, could I encourage you to make this prayer that we're all going to pray? Would you make it your prayer? Would you let God come back? Would you let God come in? Would you let God help you? Would you just call out to him today in this prayer? And I know we're all going to pray it together, but would you pray it as if it's just you talking to God, just you saying, okay, God, here I am. Here's my life. Take me, use me, help me. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we won't ask you to stand or call you out. But if you're here, I just want to agree with you personally in prayer. Would you do me a favor this morning? Would you, if it's you and you're saying, Pastor Tom, I'm going to get real with God because I need God to get real with me and I need it now. If that's you, would you, while no one's looking around, would you just hold your hand up? I just want to pray with you. Just lift your hand. Thank you. 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 It's so awesome. So awesome. You can put them down. You can put them down. Let's, just everybody, just join me in this prayer. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. Make me better. I choose to live for you. I'm going to serve you every day. I'm not waiting. I'm starting now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, everybody, give God a big shout.